There we are. We got you back. Sorry, I got a my phone started ringing, and so it it got mad apparently and disconnected. So I yeah I put my phone to where it it won't receive calls right now. So <laughs> it's always something, isn't it? It is. I hate it. Damn technology. Yeah. Oh, I, I hear you there. And then so so oh no worries. Just start over. Nothing wrong with that. So yeah, no, like uh, like we were kind of talking before there about winter and everything. Yeah, I'm not I'm not looking forward to winter because I know what they're calling for out here. It's gonna be a long cold winter again. Yeah. And uh, I I keep telling myself every winter I'm not gonna do another winter. I'm gonna go somewhere where it's warm, and I always find myself still where it's cold. Yep. Yep, it happens. Uh, and I, yeah, some winters like there's there was a uh, last winter here in uh Burns area. We got some pretty. I mean, it was like negative fourteen, fifteen, even twenty degrees some days. And I was like, this sucks. And the wind's blowing, and you're out feeding, and you're just like, the I can't do this. Yeah. Yeah. Even if I could go somewhere's where that's the temperature. I'd be happy. Not what we get. It's oh, it's ridiculous what we get. Yeah. And then you always find yourself cabin for that guy that cabs in the dead of winter, and you know it's it's thirty five below or it's forty below or we hit last winter the one night at the cabin barn. It, the the thermometer was reading minus fifty five. So oh, jeez. And uh, so you're kind of past the point of cold there. It's just fucking cold. Yeah, way too cold. I'm skinny. I don't have any natural insulation. And they do not make enough insulated pants, thermal underwear, or anything to keep someone my size warm. (laughs) Yeah, and once you get cold, it's real hard to get warm back up. Yeah. Yeah. So, are you guys getting into the fall run, fall gathering now? Is yeah. Um. Well, right now, uh, necessarily cowboying too much. Um, I'm working at the BLM Wild Horse Corrals right now. Oh, okay. Um, but my husband, Ben, he works on a ranch here in Eastern Oregon, uh, Rock Creek Ranch for Gary Miller. And, and they're dealing, they kind of got everything gathered a while ago off their summer allotments and they're pushing stuff, uh, right behind our house here. Gary gets to run his cattle on, uh, the, the wildlife refuge. And so, um, they've been moving cattle down, uh, down into French Glen onto the refuge. So that's pretty cool. Well, there you go. So cows are close to home. Yeah. Oh, can't go wrong with that. No, no, you can't. I mean, I'm right out the back door here, and uh, they hay the refuge uh, for the month of August. They have pretty much a whole crew that comes down and hays the refuge, and they do a bunch of bunch raking, too. They don't bale everything, and so you don't really have to feed anything that's on the refuge and uh, just what's up at the feedlot. Oh, there, so that makes it a little handier. Yeah. Oh, good deal. I know everything out here, it's all 
it's all baled or put up a green feed or silaged. And then you spend most of the winter dragging it out to do it all over again. Yep. It's fantastic. So what do you do? <clears throat> oh yeah. So so what do you do at the at the BLM corrals? Um, I'm a horse wrangler there right now. And uh <clears throat> it kinda like I really wanted to stick with cowboying, but when my husband and I got onto Sylvie's ranch, um, it was either, which was kind of a, a little bit of a messed up deal because I was kind of supposed to cowboy part-time and then help at the resort on the ranch. Well, it turned out working at the resort full-time. And so I was like, well, if I'm not going to do that, I'm going to apply for the horse wrangler job and get paid a bunch of money. And uh, so, uh, yeah, I applied for the wrangler position at the corrals and so now I'm working there. So basically, I just kind of uh, what I tell everybody when people start asking, you know, in-depth questions, I just feed them. That's all I do. <laughs> but, uh, you know, our, our, it's a lot more than just feeding the horses. You know, we uh, like here, we just gathered uh, 750 horses off of the Steens HMA, which is about 10 minutes from my house. And so... Uh, we're gonna today or not today yesterday was the last day we were open and for adoptions for people to come and adopt horses so we're gonna close down and we're gonna start processing these horses so we're gonna you know <clears throat> freeze brand um all of them uh with their brands which each brand is different you know uh from the rest you know you can read a, these mustangs freeze brands and you can you know, get information on, on, on where they're gathered, where they're, what state they're from and their age and everything like that from their freeze brand. So we brand all of them. We age them first so we can put the, their, uh, year of birth on the freeze brand. And then we microchip them. Then, um, freeze brand them. We vaccinate them, deworm them. And then after we get through uh, branding and processing them all to where we know what all their ages are and everything like that. We have everything sorted by gender, you know, uh, studs away from the mares right now. And then we'll sort them all by age group. Uh, you know, we'll have wean lanes and then we'll have yearlings to two-year-olds and then three-year-olds to five-year-olds and then five to seven and seven plus, you know, so they're all kind of separated by age in the pens. So, when people come to the corrals, when we do open back up for adoptions, uh, they can tell us like we're looking for a, a three to four year old gelding. And, you know, that way we're only bringing in one pen of horses that fits what they're looking for versus running 20 pens through for them to find a three year old. Okay. <clears throat> yeah. And so, we geld all the studs, too. Oh, so, yeah. So do you do you guys see is there lots of horses adopted out or is it kind of slow or what, what's the deal with that? Um, Oregon has the highest adoption rate out of all the States and all the facilities. And so we adopt out a lot of horses. And so like last year when we opened up, well, I should say this year, the beginning of this year, we opened up in January for adoptions and within half an hour 
of it being posted online saying that we were open for adoptions, we were booked all the way through the beginning of May for adoptions. And yeah, we, I think we had, let's see what we have left over right now as of closing for adoptions. I think we have probably 40 horses or 50. Maybe 60, I would say closer to 60 horses that were actually uh, avail- like adoption eligible left from almost a thousand horses that we had at the beginning of the year when we opened. Oh, well, that's pretty good. Yeah. Well, it's a good thing there's, there's programs out there like that to, you know, so these horses can do something. They're not just a nuisance out wherever. Yeah. I know, I know in Alberta, in the hills up there, I know they got some wild horses, horse fans up there, you know, they're really nothing but a big pain in the ass. Oh, yeah. You know, and it's, nobody does anything with them, and they just kind of run around, and, you know, a lot of them guys up there that, that ranch in the foothills where them horses run. The sad part about it is, you know, they ride around on their horses. They drive if they can drive to them pastures in the pickup. They, they just pack a gun with them. They see a crippled horse or you know, yeah. a real, skin horse, real skinny horse. They'll just put a hole in them. You know, it's better than the outcome that's gonna happen. Yeah, it's they definitely no matter where they are definitely need to be managed i mean it's just it's something that needs to be kept in check that's for sure and like the blm has its you know it could be done better that's for sure i mean you see states like you know nevada and utah and stuff like that that are so just completely overrun with these mustangs that you know they're you know wandering into cities and stuff like that and you know they're so used to people and you know, they're just out there. They're just feral horses running around and they need to be managed. And a lot of people are always, you know, the anti-gather activists. They drive me insane. And they're always like, well, they're fine. You know, the these Mustangs were fine and completely they regulated and everything before the BLM took over. I'm like, well, before the BLM took over, they were managed by you know, the military using them as target practice and the ranchers just taking it into their own own hands by doing the same thing. Yeah, I'm not, I don't, well, we don't have anything like that here in Canada. So that's all kind of a new, you know, you just hear about it and everything. So you really, you really don't know what to believe, right? Because you're not there. You don't know the situation. And we yeah. know how they are up here and stuff and, you know, they're just a big pain in the ass. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's it's pretty amazing. Like, I mean, the BLM has it rough, that's for sure. Because, like, they weren't, I mean, the intention of the BLM was never to manage horses. And it just kind of got dumped on their plate. And uh, you got ranchers mad at them because they're not taking enough horses off the range. And then you got the anti-gather and the animal rights activist people mad at them because they're taking too many off range. So, <laughs> Yeah, it's a, it's a double-edged knife in that, um, or a double-edged sword in that kind of predicament, isn't it? Yeah, it is. 
no matter what you do, you're never right. And somebody's always mad at you. Oh, yeah. That's basically the situation. Yep. Uh, luckily, Oregon, you know, is pretty, like I said, it's Oregon does a pretty good job managing their horses. They've kept on top of it and done a really good job. Um, you know, BLM and I would say our, well, our district, I would say, and like Lakeview district and stuff like that, they have a pretty good relationship with the ranchers here. And, you know, so it's not too awfully bad. I mean, there ain't too many, you know, too many ranchers when we show up to Brandings and they ask what I do for a living. And I tell them I work for the BLM. They're, they don't they don't get mad and give me the side eye, so I'm happy about that because I know there's areas that if you were to say that, people would kind of like just stop talking to you. <laughs> yeah, I I I I know that feeling. I I definitely know know where you're coming from for there. We uh we see that out here every now and again too. Um, you know, with the with the provincial government, you know, if they get involved, if somebody's not feeding their cattle and they get involved, they, they generally come to these community pastures and they'll ask the crew to, to go and gather these cattle up and get them loaded on trucks and do whatever you got to do. And, you know, yeah. some people that, you know, you went out to help do that, they, they get rather mad at you. Yeah. But you can't have them causing a problem either. Yeah, exactly. So I'm sure when you guys are adopting horses out, I'm sure you guys see all kinds of people. Oh, gosh. Oh, yeah. And we see people. I mean, we've had people and we have people travel from all over the United States and we even ship horses. Uh, Germany started a Mustang makeover competition where they have 100 days to train the horses just like they do here in the United States. And uh, so we they hand select horses from uh or we select the horses for them at the organ corrals and um we ship horses to germany and uh we get people from all over the united states we get people coming from florida tennessee alaska to come and adopt and i mean we've had people adopt horses anywhere from just trail riding which i would say is the most common but you know we have people you know, cowboys that come and adopt them for circle horses. We have people that want to do mounted archery, people who want to compete in gaming events, people that compete in cuttings. We have people that come for dressage horses, for, you know, therapy horses. I mean, pretty much anything you could do with a horse. We've had people show up to adopt a horse for that specific task, and it's pretty cool. Oh, there you go. And then do you see the kind, the kind of people? I'm sure you do. I mean, it is kind of the horse industry. You probably see the people that have no business being there as well. People that come in and say, oh, yeah, I want to adopt, you know, a two-year-old for me and my son. And we just want to learn about horses. And I figured that we can learn together, you know, get a horse, you know, we know nothing, the horse knows nothing. And we'll all just learn together. And I'm like, Oh my God, you're going to kill someone or the horse. <laughs> yeah. what, what could go wrong? Yeah. Nothing could go wrong. It's just an untouched wild horse, you know, <laughs> and we get people that come in too, and they're just like, ah, uh, because we have, you know, when you adopt a horse, we have some 
stipulations, you know, you have to have certain fencing requirements. You have to have, if you're going to adopt anything over a year old, you need six foot solid fencing. And we get the people in that are like, I can't even fathom a horse jumping a six foot fence. Like that's not even possible. And I'm like, how can you like, what? <laughs> Have you ever watched show jumping and stuff like that? Like, Oh yeah, they, they can get it done. And it's real entertaining when they get it done and you're sitting in the middle of them. Yeah. Yep. I usually counteract that argument and stuff like that. When people say that and be like, well, you know, I've, I've seen, you know, I, the mare that I have now, when I first adopted her, um, she jumped out of a seven-foot round pen that was stacked railroad ties twice. <laughs> so, I mean, they'll get it done. That, that flight instinct, when it kicks in, they will do whatever they find deem fit to escape if they think it's, you know, life or death in their situation, which is pretty common with a feral horse. Yeah, and I mean, that's probably, you know, it's never ideal when that happens, but at the same time, like, when you're working with that horse in a, in a pen, doing whatever you're trying to do, and he decides to leave, that's probably the best option for, you know, for somebody that doesn't know horses, or yeah. doesn't have a whole lot of experience. That horse leaving is the best outcome, and if it can't leave, well, you, you might have a rude awakening in the pen with them. Yeah. Yeah, I've never dealt, I've never had anything to do with uh, starting or getting a hold of any horses that come out of the wild. And, you know, I don't really care to. Yeah, my husband and I, we kind of got in into them by accident, which my husband still isn't, you know, a huge fan of them necessarily. But, you know, you know, when you could start your own horse and, you know, adopt one for 125 bucks and start it and then start using it cowboying. I mean, you can't really, you know, if you have the resources and the ability to do so, you can't beat that. No, and, uh, that, that is a real affordable way to get, you know. And once you get them broke, I'm sure they're good using tough horses. Yeah. Yeah, when my husband and I, when we moved to Eastern Oregon here, we were packing in California for an outfitter out there and uh, we got a job with a family ranch out here in Eastern Oregon. And when we came out, uh, we were like, well, we're going to need some horses. And like, that's when the horse market started going up pretty good. And we're like, well, we make like 2,500 bucks a month combined between the two of us on a good month. Cause they hired me for day help and he was on, you know, salary we can't afford to buy like, you know, a horse that started under saddle for, you know, $3,000. So, uh, that's when I discovered the, you know, kind of getting into the Mustangs and stuff. I saw that the, we have these people that they're basically, they apply and they're basically contracted out by the government, but they halter break them for you. And then you can adopt them for 125 bucks and they're already halter broken. I'm like, well, let's get a handful of those, get them started under saddle and use them. Well, if the resources there are there and, you know, and you need a horse, why not? Exactly. Why not? Like, I know in my situation, I, I only own one horse, right? Of my own personal horses and the other five or six that I ride throughout the summertime. They're all outside, you know, 
horses yet I'm riding for some friends of mine and then we can mm-hmm. sell them in the fall and mm-hmm. so that was never never thought of a Mustang you know for me to just, I've heard of guys heard of guys doing it but I just I it's not for me yeah yeah it definitely I mean it's I mean, I'm not going to lie, when it comes to picking one up, even if it is one that's been broke by a tip trainer, you're taking a gamble on whether or not that horse is going to turn out to be a good using horse. And, you know, you're taking, you know, even if the horse is cheap, you're still taking a gamble with your time and your money and your safety, you know, if that horse turns out to be counterfeit, you know. Yeah. Yeah, so have the ones you guys have done, have they, have, you know, have they turned into real good using horses or did, you know, are they just kind of at your average horse? I know it depends on the horse. Yeah. I would say a majority of the ones that I, we've gotten have turned out to be pretty good solid using horses. I mean, they'll go just for everyday ranch work. I mean, perfect for the job. You know, they got hard feet, so... You know, most of the time, I don't even, even in this rocky country, when it comes to my Mustangs, I'll only put front shoes on them. I think I've only put a set of hinds on one Mustang that I have. Um, but if they lose a shoe and you still have, you know, 20 miles to go, you're not really have to be too worried about that horse being lamed up for a long time because their feet are soft. They got really hard and tough. Um, you know, they're just... They're pretty good. Uh, the mare that I ride now <clears throat> that I have, she's turned out to be one of the best horses I've ever had. And uh, dang good horse. And like her and I this summer, we, for fun, competed in some local cuttings. And we actually placed competitively in a couple of classes uh, end of the year. You know, we got some cash prizes and won a buckle and stuff like that. So she did pretty good even reading cows and stuff like that. So Oh, good for you. And that yeah. that would be a real good you know, kind of ego, you know, not um not to boast or say, you know, better than anybody, but it it makes you probably feel real dang good at the end of the year when, you know, you took that horse from being hauled to grow pretty much nothing to being able to do something yeah off that horse yeah it she's been she's been a good horse and i really you know she's my go-to horse for any job whether i'm going and you know gathering cattle or sorting branding going to a cutting going to a horse roping in town going going to roping practice at the neighbors or putting on clinics or giving little kids rides she's my She's my go-to horse for every job. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. And then no matter where you go, there's always a good story behind her. You know, she's not just a horse. Like, you know. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Yeah. When I, uh, when I got her too, I wasn't supposed to be coming back with a horse that day. I was supposed to be picking up a horse for a client to start under saddle and got to the corrals because that's where I was meeting the the tr- the tip trainer who halter broke this horse and 
I saw this horse in the pens and I'm like, well, she's pretty good looking Mustang. Like, you know, usually Mustangs are pretty, can be pretty ugly. And she asked me to help her pick out her next round of horses to halt to break. And she ended up wanting to look at a few in that pen. And my mare comes through. I was just like, man, that's a nice looking horse. Just curious, how old is she? And they're like, she's seven. And I'm like, I don't want to be touching you know, I don't want to be starting an untouched seven-year-old mare, you know, like that's just, nah, no, nah, that's not for me. You know, that's, if I'm going to go with an untouched feral horse, I want to go with, you know, three, two, three years old. And, <clears throat> but she was pretty calm in the shoots and stuff like that. And then, uh, they, you know, the people there at the facility, they were just like, well, you know, you know, just convinced me to do it. And so I ended up bringing home an extra horse. And, <laughs> but she turned out to be a good one. I can't complain. So, yeah, them, I, I've had lots of them deals where you, you go to look at a horse, or I'm just, I'm going through one that's in your mind, and you come home with the trailer load or extra. Yep. <laughs> Yep. Uh, uh, my mom taught me at an early age that it's easier to ask forgiveness than it is permission. Yeah. And uh, I've tried to slow down through the years just bringing home critters to my husband because he gets pretty mad, but it, it still happens on occasion. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, well, that's awesome that you can do that and enjoy doing it because there's mm -hmm. people out there that wouldn't enjoy doing something like that yeah i know i'm at the point now you know i don't even i'll start my own because i prefer to start my own but as for starting outside horses for people i just i don't do it anymore i'd rather ride for a few choice people i know that always bring me pretty decent horses i mean yeah. they might be a little spooky or this and that but they're not yeah. You know, they're not the public horse, and I don't got to get on them. Yeah. Yeah, over the years, I've become pretty picky, too, like, on my horses, you know. I'm just like, you know what? You know, I have gotten, you know, training for the public and stuff like that. I've gotten some doozies. And, like, I still want to train in the future. You know, my husband and I really want to move back to northern Idaho and be closer to family at some point in time in our lives. And that's my plan is to train full time. But uh, yeah, when it comes to personal horses, like I'm just like, you know what? I just, you know, people show up and you go to buy a horse and you're like, oh, yeah, this horse sounds fantastic. This ad makes it sound like this horse is just broke and ready to go and do any job. And then you get on this horse and it's just like it's never been roped off of and you know, or it's counterfeit, or they never actually trained it to do, you know, anything properly. I'm so, I'm so picky about the horses that I ride. And that was part of the reason when my husband and I got to that ranch here in Eastern Oregon that I, I started getting my own to start and ride. Cause I just, I get so, get so, uh, accustomed to the horses that I ride and expectations of what I expect them to do. And, you get on somebody else's horse and they're hard in the face or they're running through the bit or they don't know how to side pass or they're just plugs. And I just am annoyed the whole time. Cause I don't want to be training on somebody else's horse all day just to get a job done. 
Yeah, that makes for really long days. It does. Makes I've I've been there and like where I work, there's only most of the time there's only two of us out here, except for spring and fall. There's only two of us out here riding the boss. Um, the manager of the place, he's trying to run his own outfit, so he's putting up feed, he's putting seed in the ground, you know, he's busy trying to take care of about 600 head of his own cows through the summertime, and then we just make sure the work gets done for him here. Yeah. And it makes for a real long day when you gotta ride some dickhead or asshole horse for the day <laughs> that you can't really get anything done on. Yeah. Or you get someone spoiled trail horse that starts throwing a fit because it doesn't want to work anymore, or you know. Yeah, and you run into you know you run into that problem, you know, just normal checking. You're like, oh, okay, I I can deal with a lot with the horse. I you know, he's being an asshole, but we're not really doing anything important. You know, I I I, I can deal with this, and then you see something you got to help and doctor. And you're like, well, this this might get Western real quick. Yeah. Yeah. And that's generally when them horses throw a, a big wreck and guys get hurt. An easy easy cow to treat for pink eye or foot rot turns into like a two-hour job because your colt is yeah. fucking me around the whole time. Yeah, and then, you you know, you got a cow that's sick and, you know, you're making it worse and stressing it out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, we've had some times like that, you know, it's just, it's stressful, that's for sure. I mean, put it nicely. Oh, and, and I, I got friends that are, you know, Oklahoma, Texas, they ride with a pistol on them the whole time. And, you know, they've come up here and rode with me and they go, and we have a lot of wildlife up here. I mean, not so much on the deer, the deer are pretty are pretty thin up here they get hunted year round up here by mm-hmm. individuals but on our pasture we got wolves we got bears and well, why aren't you packing a gun and then some days you're like a gun would be real handy and then yeah. the day you're riding a shithead and you go you know of course it's a really good thing that that thing's real frowned upon out here because i'd shoot you and walk out yeah it's a really good thing that I didn't bring my pistol today because you know what? I'd be walking out of here. <laughs> yeah. I've had those days. I've had those days. I think anybody that rides a lot of different horses and rides through the public has them days. Oh, yeah. And, you know, it's just even riding through the public, it's getting so hard to do now. It Everybody is. But he has such high expectations of what this horse should be at the end of the 30 days. And what you brought me in no good bastard. And yeah. you want to be team roping off him in 30 days? Yeah, not going to happen. Yeah. Or they send you, you know, they send you a horse. That, they, they always leave out. He's been to a couple different guys that have tried to ride him or tried to do stuff. <laughs> they always leave that part out. And then, like, two weeks into it, they're like, oh, well, you know, he's just scared from previous yeah. people. Well, what happened to pre- – well, we had him at some trainers. You're like, oh, yeah. That's- yeah. That's fine. Or, or before they sent him to you, they sent him to a bunch of cheap trainers, you know, the high school girls, the Karens with a Google degree in horsemanship, you know. 
they send them to them for, you know, to one and that person messes them up one way. And so then they try another one that, you know, they're charging, you know, 300 bucks a month. And it's like, you know, people's price really reflects on their ability. You know, there's a reason why good trainers get paid a bunch of mon- money a month to work on your horses because, you know, their abilities reflect their price. And if you're sending someone that's only charging a couple hundred bucks a month, you know, it's that's a huge red flag. And so they send them to a bunch of different people and they get messed up in different ways by different people. And then they finally send them to you and complain about the price and then you know, you find out, oh, well, you sent it to this one girl who rides a mechanical hackamores in a neoprene saddle that's never dealt with this issue before. You know, <laughs> awesome. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And then, you know, and then where it gets out, you know, you, you get, you get one of them. We got a bad one in and it was actually for some from, some, wow, tap talk. It was from some friends of mine last summer, and they bought this horse, and, you know, they were good friends of mine. Kind of felt bad for them, because I knew money was a real tight issue for them. Yeah. And they bought this horse, and their kid ended up getting hurt on this horse, and I said, well, bring him down, and, you know, we'll see what we can get done with them. Yeah. Well, we'll, we might be able to get something done for you. And... You know, so I rode that horse all last summer for, you know, and I rode him pretty hard for the whole summer. You know, he turned around, he turned into a pretty nice horse at the end of the summer. and They kept riding him, you know, they did their part when they got him home. They stayed on him and they kept riding him. And now their daughter's doing 4-H on him. And he's a pretty nice horse now. But the problem is, they tell everybody what he was when they sent him to you and then you know, word gets out, oh, if you got a bad one, you know, send it to this guy, they'll ride Yeah, and yeah. All you get is them bad bastards that nobody else wants. Yeah. Yeah. My husband and I, we got, uh, when we were at that ranch, um, you know, they only paid me for day work, and in the wintertime, there wasn't any day work. It was just feeding, and so, and it was... It's pretty rough day wages too. I mean, I didn't, you know, I'd never been paid for day wages before, so I didn't know what day wages were. And he was like, well, how's $70 a day sound? I'm like, sounds great. And then later on, I found out that day wages were like close to 150 a day, even for green people. And I'm like, well, I messed up there. But uh, in the wintertime, this guy was really nice. The rancher, yeah, I can't, you know thank him enough for the opportunity that he gave me. Cause he told me, you know, you're not going to be able to work in the winter time. And I know that I don't pay you and your husband very much. Uh, but if you wanted to, cause he knew I like to train horses and stuff like that. And he goes, what we can do is in the winter time, you can take on outside horses, whatever you want and train them and get paid that way. And you don't have to worry about paying for hay from me. Uh, as long as when we do have to go push cows or something like that, you're able to use the horses that you got in for training and been working on to go and move, you know, cattle from one pasture to next. And I was like, that is a hell of a deal. Like it worked out really well. So I got to train for a lot of the, you know, winter and his daughter had bought two horses from this one lady that she had 
basically raised from weanlings and this lady didn't know much she said that their halter broke and halter broke to her was you could put a halter on them and kind of guide them where they need to go (laughs) and his daughter bought these horses thinking that she was going to train them and she'd never trained a horse before she'd only rode broke horses her whole life and so found out real quick that She's not going to be able to train him. She doesn't know what she's doing. And so her dad bought him from her, and he said, I'll I'll pay you to train these two horses, get him started under saddle, and then if you could sell them, I'll pay a, you know, a commission for selling them. I was like, it sounds like a good deal. Oh, there you go. Yeah. yeah. And so I started on these horses, and it was a filly and a colt, a gelding, both two, three years old. And the gelding, he wasn't very confident. He basically relied on that uh, filly to tell him everything what to do. And he was pretty easy to get along with. Real gentle soul, just kind-hearted horse. Uh, The filly, she was spoiled and she was used to getting away with anything that she wanted. Like... And when I first, and she's smart too. And when I first started working with her, you know, working with her half an hour, hour at a time, she came along great, like super fast, never gave me any issues or anything. And my husband and I, we like to, uh, before we put outside rides on horses, because I'm the type of person too, if I'm going to be putting a first outside ride on a horse or if I need to go gather cattle on a colt, I still, you know, it may not be pretty, but I still want to be able to go out and get a job done and not get bucked off. We may not be roping something and tying it down and doctoring it, but we could, we don't need to be babysat and we can go over a hill and get something done. And, uh, so we would pack them for a bit before we put outside rides on them. And this mare She was doing great the first day, like perfect little pack horse. Nothing bothered her at all. And it it got to the point where we trusted her so much that we would just, we didn't even, we were fencing. We didn't even tie, you know, the pack, you know, tie our packs back up. We just left the panniers open and we'd chuck our, we'd go down the trail to the next spot and pick it all out. And she started setting back on us like, you know, a couple hours into the day. And... So then we're like, okay, we'll have to kind of drag her down the trail. She's not used to working this long, just throwing a little fit. She'll get over it. Well, she started figuring out that setting back wasn't working. So then she tried taking off and bucking and she'd buck the packs off and buck all of our fence and tools out and throwing a fit. And so we'd stop, pack everything back up. And after she did that twice, we tied everything back up and she started figuring out that wasn't working so then she'd set back real hard and you'd literally have to drag her down the trail on your horse and then she started getting kind of violent and so she would step back but then she'd lunge forward and like try to take you out on your horse and so we're like she's just throwing a face she'll get over it you know just kind of go with the flow just let her figure it out let her know she can't do that crap and finally went to go get something out of the pack saddle when we got to our next spot she lunged forward and and, uh tried to kick me in the chest with her back feet and 
So my husband's like, well, what'd you do to her? I'm like, I didn't do shit. Like, she just tried to kick me in the chest for no reason. He's like, I don't think she just tried to kick you in the chest for no reason. Like, Sarah, come on. And then he tried to do it, and she did the same thing. And so we kept trying to get shit out of the pack saddle, and she kept getting violent with us. So we ended up roping her and choking her and laying her on the ground. Because when we roped her, we're like, okay, we're just going to rope her. Let her know that when she starts to throw a fit, take some airway. When she focuses, you know, let her have it back. Just kind of teach her a little bit of a lesson. Well, that little bit of a lesson had to get a little more aggressive than what we normally do because she was getting mean with us. And so then after that, we figure, all right, she's fine, you know. And uh, she still kind of tried to set back and. We had a long lead that had a chain on it. And so if they set, you know, we put that on her because she would kind of start dragging behind us. We put that on her and we're like, all right, you're going to find out that when you start dragging, that chain's going to come up and hit you in the jaw and you'll figure out real quick that that's not fun to do. And she figured it out and she was fine. And my husband had to go do something. And we were heading back to camp. And... I got off my horse and I went to open the gate and I heard some commotion behind me and I turned around and that mare was reared up and she was coming at me with her mouth open and pawing at me with both her front legs. And I was like, oh my God, like she's trying to kill me. (laughs) And so I threw my hands up just trying to like get her to get away from me and like stepping back and stuff like that, yelling at her. And the lead got tangled around her leg. So every time she pawed, that chain would jerk on her. And for a couple of times, it made her even more pissed off, you know. But then finally, she got tired out. She just basically fought herself at that point. I just held the line so that she didn't get away. She ended up flipping herself onto the ground. And uh, after chasing me around, trying to kick me, trying to strike me, trying to bite me with her ears pinned, like she was, she was coming at me and she meant to hurt me. And so she finally ended up laying on the ground cause she fought herself and, um, sorry, he were oh. apparently didn't like being stepped on, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. And so I got over there by her and, uh. I took the pack saddle off while she was on the ground, just sat on her neck and petted her for a couple minutes until she started licking and chewing and let her up. Then I just kind of pet her, let her cool down, just loved on her and stuff like that. And then I put the pack saddle back on and she never threw a fit again. Like she never tried to kill us, <laughs> never came at us. And she actually turned out to be one hell of a horse because First outside ride on her, we went and gathered bulls and one bull, we had to swim the reservoir first because one tried to, uh, you know, hide out in the reservoir and uh, had to swim the reservoir on her to get that bull out. And then one bull was kind of getting on the fight. And so I thought I'd trot at it and try to bluff it. Well, and I kind of forgot that I was on a colt, and she didn't really necessarily have the best stop quite yet. And uh, that bull came at her, hit her in the chest, picked her up off the ground while I was on her, and I thought I was going to die. And she kind of, like, spun around and landed on the ground, and I thought she started bucking, so I immediately, like, 
pulled a rein up, got after her for bucking, and everyone's like, stop, stop. I'm like, what happened? And like, she kicked that son of a bitch right in between the eyes with both her back feet. And I'm like, nice. I'm like, I kind of want to buy her now. <laughs> if that's how she's going to react to a bull coming after her, like, that's one to have. <laughs> oh, it's, it is. And I know, you know, I have found in my experience, and this is just me, and, you know, I'm a real big fan of riding mares. A lot of guys don't like them. Oh, yeah. But I like riding a mare. You know, um, I found the mares that I've started on my own and I've got, and I've got them broke. I mean, they'll work just as hard as any gelding. And, you know, some of these geldings, you know, and it's not that there's not good geldings out there. But at the end of a long day, I've seen more geldings kind of get pissy and tired and not really, kind of cheat you, not really want to do their job 100%. Yeah. Then, you know, that tough mare to start, that tough mare to start, you know, at the end of the day when you need to count on her, you know, she's probably going to be there for you. Yeah. That's the that's exact reason why I prefer mares. I mean, I will deal with their attitude and sass. And if you train a mare right, you don't have that mentality of, oh, she's a mare. She's just going to be pissy all the time. You know, you can end up with a horse that, literally will go until their legs get out from underneath them. Yeah. Well, my good mare, I had a good paint mare. And, I mean, she's still alive. She's with my ex and my boy right now. And my boy rides her. But that mare, you could throw my kid on him, and she'd keep him safe all day long. Didn't matter what was going on. Like, she was just the brokest kid's horse she's been around. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it, was, it always kind of made me laugh with her because, you know, he'd be riding her and I'd need to do something. I might not have been riding the best horse. And I'd say, hey, jump off her for a minute. I'm going to swap saddles, go rope, whatever I got to rope. Quick. And then I'll horseback, you just hold mine. And I step on her and, you know, ask her to go away, trot away, you know. In the first 20 feet of me, Always riding that mare after my kid's been riding her. She always tested me. She threw a kind of, not a big buck, but kind of cow kicked out to the side, kicked her ass end out. Or if you were just sitting there having a beer, you know, the kid could sit there and piss around and stand on her and slide off her ass, crawl under her ears, do whatever the hell he wanted on her. And if I got too comfortable, just for no reason, she'd just take a big jump out to the side just to see if I was awake. Yeah. And yeah, I, them mares. I mean, like you said, a lot of guys don't like them, and they sit there and say, like, they got an attitude and all that crap. And I'm like, dude, like, you are missing out on some good-ass horses because you won't ride a mare. Like, they're good horses. Oh, I I, I prefer I prefer mares. Um, I'll ride a good gelding, too, but, you know. Yeah. I like a good, hearty, no-quit kind of mare and she'll give it her all at the end of the day you know and that's that's when you need it most you know that's when you need that horse not to quit you because you're probably doing something at the end of the day where you're not dealing with the calf anymore you know you're dealing with an old pissy cow or an old cranky bull and you need that horse 
not to quit on you. Where a gal, he's tired, he might quit you. Yeah. There's been a lot of geldens like uh, that I've ridden and a lot of mares that I've ridden. It seems like usually when you're working at a place, like my husband and I have worked at a place where they had a lot of cattle on the fight, like all the time. And uh, and the geldings that we rode, you know, after a couple of times of a cow coming at them or a bull coming at them, they just you know, cow looks back to ball at her calf and that horse is already hesitating, you know, whereas a mare, you know, they get pissed. They're like, uh-uh, you're not going to tell me what to do. Do you realize who's here? You know, yeah. and that's what I like about mares. You know, I will, a lot of people like when they ask what kind of horses I like and stuff like that, I said, I will take that mare with an attitude and sass that is independent any day over a gelding. Oh, I, I feel the same way. I feel the same way. Some days you want to kill them, but yeah, there when you need them. Yeah. Yeah. So did you guys pack like salt on your horses when you were packing them? Yeah, we would. Uh, uh, we'd start out by packing salt. We'd have hundred pound salt blocks that we would put two on each side. And so they're packing a lot of weight when we first took them out, you know, and then pretty soon once, you know, we figured out they're not going to, you know, act like dinks or idiots from stuff touching the sides, then we'd kind of use them to pack like fencing supplies or, you know, stuff like that when we're out working on fence. And then, yeah, that, and then once they did really good doing that, that's when we started doing, you know, good outside rides on them. Yeah. I worked for a guy in Alberta, and that's how we started a lot of horses on the pasture, is we packed them all with salt and mineral. Yeah. And at that place in Alberta, it was real sandy and big hills and kind of just, you know, you could play a horse out. So, you know, if we had one, we were getting it, you know, working with it in the round pen, and it really wanted to be a dink. Well, asshole, I'll wait till a day when it's hotter than shit out. And I'll throw that pack on you and we'll pack you for three, four days like that. And we'll yeah. just see how real, how tough you really are. Yeah. And a lot of the times, you know, three, four days into packing every day that horse going out, you know, we'd on the last day we would get to where we we're going. All the salt would be out and that horse would be pretty played out. And the boss would look at me and he goes, well, Let's swap the pack out, put it on your horse, and you put your saddle on that horse and just follow me back to the trailer or back to the yard. We put a lot of first rides on Colts that way, too. Yeah, it's it's definitely, I mean, a lot of people, like, you know, some old-time cowboys and stuff like that will be like, well, that's cheating. You just don't want to get bucked off. Well, yeah, I don't want to get fucking bucked off. Like... <laughs> That's not any fun anymore when you start getting close to your 30s. It hurts a lot longer, and you end up in the hospital a lot more. <laughs> yeah. Hospital. When you're in the hospital, you're busted up, you're not working, bills are piling up, and it's just not a good time for anybody. No, it's not. It's not at all. It's like, you know, a lot of, you know, old-timers are just like, oh, you're just a puss. And I'm like, no, I'm not a puss. I'm actually thinking about the future, like – you can't you can't work with a busted arm or a broken leg. 
No, I agree with you there. And I, you know, I like watching, you know, there are definitely, I know guys out here that they're, they're just naturally sticky. Oh, yeah. And go and do a job off them and everything. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not that sticky. And I know when no. I hit the ground, it doesn't feel very good. Yeah. That's that's the way I am, too. Like, uh, the rancher that my husband and I, uh, in Riverside, Oregon, that we worked for, he would always get so mad because he'd be like, you know, Sarah, it's been two weeks and you're not on that horse yet. You know, I don't understand why you're not out there, you know, pushing cows on it yet. I'm like, you know what? I, I don't want to get bucked off. I don't want to get bucked off. But then when he saw consistently after having like three, five colts in their first outside rides, we were going and pushing cattle and I could go out and go over the hill and push cows back. And someone didn't have to babysit me the entire time because I was on a colt and I could actually go and get something done. He's like, he stopped complaining after that. Because he's like, man, that's that's kind of nice. Like, you could just go and, like, you know, if you're home by yourself and cows are out, you could go and saddle up that colt, even though it's, like, their third outside ride, and get those cows in and do it. I'm like, yeah. Like, and, like, the first time branding off of them or the first time we had the doctor off of them, there's no issues at all. They just went right and been doing it. And he's like, I can't believe that these horses, because he went growing up the way he did, it was all you know, you, you roped a horse, you laid them down, you put the saddle on them, blindfolded them. You got on that horse, you rolled into the saddle, you opened the gate and you went up the steepest, tallest hill you could find. And by the time they reached the top, you could kind of tell them what to do. And they'd kind of listen, they'd quit bucking. And then you go out and push cows and get bucked off 10 times during the day because (laughs) it was like, Man, I wish I would have known how to train like that when I was younger because I'm pretty busted up in my old age. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, it's kind of handy not getting bucked off when you go out to do a job. <laughs> well, exactly. And, you know, all about setting these horses up to do a job, to do it good, and to be calm, cool, and collective doing the job where they don't need to feel that they need to save their life and buck your ass off. Yeah. Yeah, there's no reason on, you know, I mean, if you just get that horse's trust and give them the basics, I mean, you're, you go out and ride that colt, you know, and it's going to act like pretty much it's done that job its entire life. Just be a little bit dull, you know? Yeah. And I found another good way to do it too is if you're around a place that's feeding with the team for the winter. Mm-hmm. And you have an asshole. Hook them up with that team. Get them in a team. Get them driving. Get them yeah. feet around and watch him turn around. Yeah. <clears throat> Got a job, and I even, I, even my bro courses, I like to do that with them when I can, because I find they learn how to pull a sleigh with feet or a wagon with feet or whatever you're pulling with some weight on it. You know, when it turns into to roping and dragging something onto a trailer or you know dragging something down that horse knows how to pull better than a lot of other horses just because he knows how to use himself exactly yeah is what i found 
some guys don't agree with it, but I always tell somebody that doesn't agree with it, well, you're not the one crawling on them. Yeah. I mean, it, I mean, if someone were actually even think about it, too, like, the only experience these horses get pulling, yeah, you may rope a ton of stuff all the time, but how long are they actually pulling something heavy? You know? Yeah, not very long. Yeah, not very long. Out and make them pull something heavy for an entire day, you know, they're going to learn how to carry themselves. And then when it comes to pulling that, you know, that bowl into the trailer that won't get in, they're going to know how to use their their smaller weight and how to use their body to their advantage because they've pulled all day long. Oh, exactly. You know, it doesn't have to be hard. So many people make it hard. Yeah. And, you know, that's, that is probably the biggest issue with people riding horses is they complicate things way too much than it needs to be complicated. Exactly. Now, it, I've, I've never understood that. Like, just break it down. Like, just do something. You know, if your horse got an issue with something, figure it out. Oh, exactly. And, you know, there's so many good people out in this world, you know. Don't talk to somebody that's doing it for a living. Don't get on YouTube or on Facebook and fix it here in a couple hours. Yeah. So when you guys started working ranches, did you find did you find it was hard to come up to the cowboy crew being a female riding on a cowboy crew? Uh, certain places. I mean, it depends on the area. You know, like the first place my husband and I were at, it was pretty easy because his daughter was already there and he already knew, you know, what a you know, and it wasn't like a big cowboy crew. It was just some day help once in a while, uh, us full time and his daughter. Uh, other places, you know, there are some people that you definitely gotta, you gotta prove your worth. You gotta prove that you're worth, you know, being there. Um, but for the most part, I wouldn't say that it's like super hard, you know. Um, I wouldn't say. You know, that I've been, that I've had people be like, well, you can't work here because you're a girl, you know, kind of thing. Um, I can understand why, you know, some places would be a little more watchful, I guess, and just observant of what I'm doing. Because there's a lot of women out there that, you know, they go, oh, yeah, I can cowboy and train horses and all of this and I can pack. And it's like, no, you can't, you can't really do any of those things. Like you went to a branding once and roped off of a dead broke horse and, you know, or you got a horse from the quote unquote kill pen and rescued it and trained it when it was just a retired ranch horse at the sale, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> there's a lot of people that, you know, make their resume out to be more than it actually is and they show up and all they do is cause wrecks and i would say that it's more common for women to do that to exaggerate their abilities than than men i would say yeah and well men do it too i've seen i've seen a lot of guys come out here and think they were something oh yeah oh yeah i've seen guys do it too but i've definitely 
I've definitely experienced more women doing it because they want to experience the lifestyle. And so, you know, they exaggerate certain skill sets. Yeah. And we see that, I would say, out here in in the community passion world out here where I'm at, it's if you're a female, you can get an in if you know somebody. And yeah. That somebody can be like, no, like, this person is what they are, and I'll vouch for them. But other than that, you know, it's pretty frowned upon out here for a girl to come out and ride. Yeah. And get hired on because, you know, and not trying to knock anybody. I mean, I think everybody deserves, I mean, if this is what you want to do, you deserve a shot at it. But you also got to be able to prove you're going to be there. Yeah. And we've seen more females out here when you've needed somebody to be there. They're not there. Oh, I'm not comfortable with doing this. Like, uh, our pasture that we border, um, we're, we're one great big community pasture. And a few years ago, they split us in two because it was just too much. Yeah. For one manager to take care of. And then they hired another manager for the other side. But Sam Cruz, he really didn't know who was the boss. So they just said, piss on it. We're going to cut it down the middle. There's a crew on this side and there's a crew on this side. Yeah. And we still work together, you know, have big days. We'll go help them. They'll come help us, vice versa. But, you know, they hired a girl. You know, she didn't last too long because she was never there when you needed her to be there. Yeah. You know, I wrote the big boulder one day and uh, she was there. And I headed him, and he got on the fight, and he was fighting the dogs, and he was charging the horse. And I wasn't riding the brokest horse at the time, you know. And then she got all mad at me and pretty hurt because she was just kind of sitting there watching. And I said, you know, I didn't mean it in a way to be mean to her. It was the heat of the moment. I'm going to react. I need help. So I hollered at her, like, are you going to do something, or are you going to fucking sit there and be useless yeah well I, I i've never roped a bull before well you don't have to rope them i've already done that part i need you to just ride in there and catch a back foot catch a front foot i don't care catch something yeah and then you know and then they ride in there and they throw and then they lose their rope and then you know well, i'll get off and get my rope well don't do that because i can't really hold them on this horse you know, I don't need you getting run over by a bull. Yeah. So it's it's hard out here, you know, just with what we deal with. And there's no, there is really no women out here doing it, you know. Yeah. There's nobody to teach them how to do it. And, you know, our job out here, we don't really have time to teach somebody. Yeah. It's definitely like out here when I first got out here. Um. You know, when my husband and I first got out here, I was I was pretty green. You know, I'm not going to lie. But I've learned a lot since being out here. And But when I first got out here, like, finding day work when I needed it was damn near impossible because of I was a woman. And new to the area, nobody knew who I was or what my capabilities were or anything like that. And there was very few people that would actually hire me on for day work. And only one of those people actually gave me real day work to do. 
everybody else was just like, oh, yeah, you could go out and you could take the 25-year-old retired ranch horse and we need you to go fix fence or something like that or go out. There's a pasture of, you know, old old cows that we sorted out for Colin and if you could go gather that pasture and bring it up so we can ship them and you know simp like stuff that pretty much anyone who has the ability to ride a horse can go and do and it took a while for people you know to build a reputation and people to realize what my abilities were and that I was not gonna lie and say that oh yeah I could go out and do this when I don't have the ability myself or I don't have the horse with that ability and so it took a while before people really started like when I after I you know I had to really build a reputation and uh for people to realize what I could possibly do and you know going to brandings and going places with my husband and going to horse ropings and stuff uh it took a couple of years before people it got to the point where people would call me for help uh to do day work or something like that it's definitely something as a woman you definitely got to prove your abilities out here because of situations like you just said you know and well i think the big thing too is you know like what you did you know you knew what your abilities were you were honest with what your abilities were and you know lots of people would be i mean we'd be willing to work with that Okay, we yeah. know your abilities, we know this is what it is, but so many people don't do that. They just say I'm handy and yeah, I can do it. And then you're like, yeah, well, you, you're real handy when shit gets Western and we need somebody to be there. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's pretty there's some places around here, like there's a there's a rancher around here. Well, he manages a ranch and a pretty well-known guy and uh but he really <clears throat> doesn't really hire many women like there's a couple of girls that he hired for day work that he would in the summertime because it was one of his uh employers daughters or employees daughters you know and so he knew you know she kind of grew up around it and stuff like that and he knew her abilities and he would hire her for day work because he'd been around her a hundred times just her tagging along basically um but if even him knowing me if i were to go to him and say hey you know i need some day work or if you need any help or need day work done you know go ahead and give me a call he wouldn't call me you know, he'd probably call every guy in the county before he got to me or even do the job without the help before he called me. And it's just because, you know, there's places around here that just won't hire women. They won't employ women. And I think that's pretty low. I mean, if you're capable of doing the job, you're, you know, I've, I've rode with quite a few ladies that, you know, are extremely handy. And some of them are a lot handier than I am. Yeah. And uh, they have the same problem. Yeah, it it can become an issue depending on the place and stuff like that. Um, but I think a lot of the times the issue is, too, with women, you know, even some of the handier women that can, you know, do anything out that needs to be done you know, on a ranch, anything at all. Um, a lot of women, you know, 
this, a lot of people might get mad at me for saying this, but women are emotional and they take shit way too personally. And that's one of the reasons why I really don't enjoy working with women as a woman myself. You know, there's not many women that I actually get along working with because like you said earlier, you know, when you yelled at that girl and it wasn't meaning to be degrading or mean, it's just shit's stressful, shit's hitting the fan, you need to fucking do something and get it done now. And then they take it personally. And it's like, I wasn't trying to degrade you or attack you personally. Like, it's a stressful moment, you know? And like... My husband and I, like a lot of people, you know, when my husband and I were cowboy and a lot of women were like, I don't understand how you can, how you can cowboy with your husband. You guys could be screaming at each other, you know, or at a Brandon or whatever and yelling at each other. And then you go home and you guys are snuggled up on the couch together. Like, how do you do that? I'm like, because I know the shit that I say and scream at him isn't personal. So I got to take it the same way, you know, and a lot of women have, have issues with that. You know, a lot of women tend to take when you yell at them, you know, way too personal. And so there's a lot of people that are turned off from hiring women for that specific reason. It's like when you yell at them to get something done because they're not doing their job, whether they didn't know what was going on or you didn't communicate clearly clearly, or whatever, you know, the stress of the moment, you end up yelling at her and, you know, she starts crying and wants to go home now or go sit and pick up, like... Yeah, or or calls HR on you, and HR gets real mad. Been there before. <laughs> I've had women call HR on me. Yeah, our gal, she come out, and we haven't had anybody do it this year. But we normally try for about two weeks in the summertime. You know, we'll uh, we'll put an ad out in the paper, and if you want to come try, learn, see if community pasture. Because up in my country, there are no cowboys anymore. There's nobody that wants to do this work. So a lot of times, we're pretty shorthanded. Yeah. So we're trying to get the young people in, you know, come ride with us for, you know, a week. You'll make a little bit of money. Come, You know, it'll cover your fuel, your groceries. You know, you'll make, you won't make a lot of money for the week, you know, but you'll make a little bit. Yeah. And you'll see maybe is this something you're interested in or, or it's it's not for me because it's better you figure it out now than us hiring you onto the crew and three weeks into it or whatever. And uh, when we're busy in the spring going, this isn't this isn't what I thought it is. This isn't for me. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we had a gal. She come out for a week and she ended up she didn't last very long. She only lasted a week. And then when she left, she called. HR on me and they got real mad at me. Right. Yeah, you know, and like I told HR, I was like, what? You're dealing with a bunch of cowboys. Like, we don't ride with women that much. So, you know, half the time I'm going to talk to her like she's a guy. Yeah, exactly. And you're going to. You're going to do a job that is deemed man's work. You better be expected to work like a man and be treated like one. Yeah, and, she, and I mean, bless her heart, she was trying real hard, but she just couldn't get dallying down. Yeah. She was always looking down, and she dang near got her thumb caught in one of her dallies, and uh, she goes, well, how do you do it? And I said, I don't even look down at my horn, I look at that animal, my, the horn never moves. Yeah. 
And I said, you don't need to look down. And I looked at her and I said, do you look down to find your dick to take a piss? And then she just glared at me and I said, that might not have been the thing to say, but (laughs) it doesn't move. Yeah. And she took that to to heart, really. And she, yeah, HR was like, well, you called her a man. I'm like, well, I didn't mean to, but. That's not how it was supposed to sound, but apparently she took it that way. Yeah, it. Luckily for me, I'd, I'd worked in quite a few different areas before I got into Cowboy and where it was a very male-dominated industry. Like, I worked in a construction crew, a painting crew, and I worked at a sawmill. And, you know, very male-dominated industries. And a lot of the time that I was, you know, when I worked in those places, I was the only girl. And so, you know, I learned early on that, you know, if you're going to work a man's job, you got to work like a man and you can't, for one, you can't expect to be treated special because you're a woman. You know, you can't pull the, oh, I'm a girl. This is too heavy. You know, yeah, obviously me, I'm 110 pounds. I'm not going to be trying to lift up, you know, like a 200 pound, whatever, you know, that's obvious, you know, but you can't sit there and say, oh, I can't lift up this bag of grain because I'm a girl and it's too heavy, you know, kind of thing. Or, you know, do shit like that. And it's just, you know, if you're going to work in an industry that is very male-dominated with the people who are in it, you know, you got to prove yourself as a woman. And proving yourself as a woman is, for one, working just as hard as they do. And two, not taking offense and having the same mindset when it comes to, you know, remarks like you said. Do you look at your dick when you pull it out to take a piss? You know, like. Yeah. It's a guy. You know, it's a bunch of guys that are around each other all the time. Do you expect them to completely change how they interact with each other and how they talk to you apart from how they talk to each other? No. Oh, exactly. Exactly. And I mean, I think we need we mean more women coming up in the ranching industry that want that want to do this. I mean, there's a lot out there, but you know, Denture needs to be more of them, I think. I agree. I agree. I think the women that are out there and they do it, I mean, they have certain aspects, you know, just from being a woman that benefit the industry in a lot of different ways. Like women tend to be a lot more observant, a lot more. They have a lot more attention to detail and stuff like that. So there's a lot of stuff like when my husband and I are out, you know, doing shit together. There's a lot of stuff that I'll be like, hey, did you notice that calf just looks kind of slow and he's like no I didn't even notice like there's you know we're pushing you know 800 head of cows and I'm like that calf like up in the middle like his ears were just a little bit drooping Jeff's like I haven't even seen that calf I would have never seen it like you know if it was hanging out in the back yeah you know and Jeff's really good at spotting stuff like that but he does and like there's a lot of things that he's just like you know there's stuff that you point out that I I never would have even noticed just because you have you know you have that attention to even very minor details like that oh yeah like um my girlfriend Brooke she come up from Washington well you know Brooke yeah she come up to or up from Washington this summer to ride with us for two weeks and she was riding with us when we were 
you know, and when she come out, she come out in the heart. We were we were yelping shit every day and a lot of it. You know, Pink Eye hit us hard this year. Foot Rot hit us pretty hard. So, you know, we were always roping stuff. Mm-hmm. And you'd get done roping something and she'd be helping hold, hold the groove for kind of trying to haze cattle the best she could for you and everything. And then you'd get done. You're like, okay, that was the last one I seen. We're done. And she's like, oh, by the way, did you see that one over there? I think it has pink eye. For fuck's sake. <laughs> right, yeah. Go over there and find that asshole rope him. Oh, did you see this one over here? Okay, stop looking. Stop. <laughs> Just cover your eyes. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, like you say, she was, she was almost more observant than we were because you know when we're out there we're trying to get 10 different things done all at one time like you kind of got an objective for the day okay we gotta get this done then we gotta get here and get that done and having having somebody else there as a set of eyes is beneficial because you're taking care of your cows better right i think yeah yeah and there's a lot of stuff like that you know that i see in a lot of women that just have, you know, just kind of that motherly instinct that they have. They see stuff like that a lot sooner, I would say, than guys in general. And there's a lot of times, like, you know, my husband and I will go, you know, we'd be cowboying together and we'd go to get our horses for the morning. We'd bring them in and go to pick up, you know, catch our horse that we need. And Jeff would go to catch one. And I'm like, oh, I, w- I, I wouldn't ride him today. And he'd ask why and be like, well, I just kind of noticed that yesterday, like, he's just kind of catching, you know, in his hawk a little bit. Maybe give him a couple days off. And he'd be like, oh, no, he's fine. And halfway through the day, that horse is limping. And he's like, what the hell's going on? I'm like, I told you that he was, you know, off yesterday. And he's like, he wasn't off yesterday. I'm like, he was. I'm telling you. <laughs> Oh, yeah. And that's where we need people, you know, females coming in that can catch that stuff. Yeah. You know, because I know how it is even, catch. you know, I've been there before catching horses. You know, you're catching your horse and it's kind of, you're on repeat in the mornings, if that makes any sense. You walk out, catch your horses, you say, okay, we're going to do this today. You got the list of what the boss wants wants you to do so i mean you catch something big but the slightest and you know you probably wouldn't even pick up on it i'm just gonna ride you carry on with my day yeah the day you're telling the guys well i gotta go back to the trailer and drive back to the yard get a different horse because mine's crippled yeah yeah my husband he you know it took him a little bit to listen to me when it came to that kind of stuff but after him you know after me warning him and then he was like once a while you know because he said the same thing he's like in the morning you're just thinking about the task at hand what you got to do for the day and which horse is going to suit best for that like you got to plan out all right this is what we're doing today we're going to go long miles we might have to doctor some shit we're going to have to go gather this many cows cover this much uh area so i'm gonna get this horse because this one can cover long miles and be fine and also rope something is broke enough to you know doctor off of 
And he's like, you just, you know, when those horses are coming in and, you know, you're going to catch them and they're moving around, you're not necessarily, unless they're, you know, very obviously limping, you don't really, he's like, I don't catch that shit because I'm not thinking about it. I'm thinking about what, you know, how the day's going to go and what we're going to do. Exactly. And, and, you know, a lot of the times a female, she'll, she'll see something like that or she'll see a different way of doing it and go, well, why don't we do it this way? And then you'll think about it. And then you're like, well, why didn't you say that before? <laughs> yeah. My husband gets mad at me for that all the time because he'll lay out a plan and then we execute it. And like, and then when we get home, I'm like, so like, how come we didn't do this instead? And he's like, why didn't you say that this morning? Like, we would have been home two hours earlier. I'm like, because I didn't want to be mean and tell you you were going to do it wrong. You're the boss, not me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that, and that's what a lot of these outfits need. They need people like that that can see that and, you know, say something and go, yeah, that's, that, that's better than my idea. Mm-hmm. And I think things would run a lot better. I think so, too. I think, you know, like I said, there's a lot of different things that, you know, there's a lot of things that women may not be, I mean, may not be the best at you know, but there is a lot of things that uh, women will benefit and or will add benefits and the entire outfit would benefit from a woman being there due to, you know, certain attributes of women in general. And, you know, they tend to plan ahead really well. They're attention to detail they're able to pick up on sickness and stuff like that a lot sooner and they plan stuff out a lot better than guys do and break you know break things down into smaller steps and it's just like stuff like that you know it could be really beneficial for a lot of outfits because you know they may not be able to go out there and freaking you know I I could never go out there at a branding and, you know, there's a slick yearling and they got a brand it. I'm not going to be able to tail down that some bitch. It doesn't matter if you got two heels or whatever. I'm not going to be able to tail it down. But, you know, when we're out pushing cattle, like I said, I could point out one and be like, hey, that one just looks a little weird. Like, maybe we should give it some medicine. You know? <laughs> yeah. Oh, and like, like Brooke there, she works at that calf depot there in Washington and she's got a real keen eye for picking out you know sick calves when they're just starting to get something yeah and that's really handy to have just catch it before it turns into a big problem exactly yeah um that was something that I you know I kind of learned on from when uh, I got out of high school um, I'd worked for some people. I worked at a saddlebred stable in Washington and um, the lady there, she had the little minute things she could pick up about horses. It took me forever, but she would walk through the barn and she'd be like, this horse is going to colic. 
and the horse to me at the time looked fine and i'm like i don't see any like that horse is fine i don't know what you're talking about and she'd be like you need to give it banamine and i'd be like well that horse is fine it doesn't need banamine so i wouldn't give it banamine and like the next you know go out to feed the next morning and the horse is colicking i'm like how in the hell did she see that and she kind of started explaining to me like you know Horses don't necessarily have extreme facial features, but there's little things in their face that you could pick up on that are indicators of stress or pain. And so she'd point those things out to me. And once I started learning that stuff, I mean, uh, my husband and I, there's been, uh, he learned the hard way too. When we first started dating, uh, we had a horse and I told him, I'm like, that horse doesn't feel good. We need to, you know, give it some banamine, check it out. I think he's going to call it. And he's like, now the horse is fine. He's fine. Well, that horse turned out to call it really bad. And like, uh, he kept saying it was fine. It was fine. It was fine. And it wasn't until that horse was basically, you know, on the ground thrashing that it was like, oh yeah, he's definitely colicking. I'm like, I said that like four days ago, like he's starting to colic, (laughs) uh, you know, learning those, you know, little minute changes in facial expressions animals whether it be horses or cattle or their stride or just basically how you know on in general how a healthy animal moves and then noticing small changes in you know the facial expression or you know the position of their ears how they're walking you know and stuff like that women are a lot better at picking up you know a lot sooner if something's wrong with that animal and like my husband a lot of times like when we did have something pretty sick you know if there's something that he was just like man I just I I know this this cow is sick but I just don't know what like I don't know if he's just got like you know maybe pneumonia or something like that I'm like well do you think like he was out in this pasture and in that pasture there's a junkyard um do you think maybe he got some metal in its gut? And he's like, I didn't even think about that. Like, I was thinking, like, viral or something like that, not infection. And, you know, like, he just thought the calf is sick. How do we doctor these symptoms instead of trying to figure out, okay, well, what's the weather been like? Where's this calf been? And, you know, have they gotten into this type of feed or that type of feed? Maybe, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. He he always says, he's like, you you just pick up on stuff and think about stuff in ways that I never even consider. I'm thinking about right here, right now, what is going on instead of where, you know, what's happened with this calf in the past week, what's going on, you know? Yeah. Well, I know where I worked last winter. They hired some girls on to help with the cowboy crew. They didn't ride or anything like that. They helped feed and. You know, we were we were just getting into cabin, and last spring was a rough spring up here. We had bad spring storms after storms. At, like you would just get done one storm, you'd get a day of kind of decent weather, and you'd be dealing with the wreck. And then the next day, next night, another one would hit you. And so we yeah. had a lot of bottle calves out there. And I know how I am, and I know a lot of guys are the same with bottle calves it's like you you will eat you will like it or i'm just gonna tube you and fuck it you'll die and they're like oh well i'll get him sucking and you're like well get him sucking because he's gonna die yeah because i don't have the patience 
Yeah. Yeah, and that's even one thing, like, at the corrals right now where I'm working, you know, I'll tell my boss, like, uh, or the other wrangler there, because it's, we got two women in the office that work there, and then I am, like, the only, I'm the only female that is out there all the time with the horses, and, you know, like, we just got done with the Steens gather, and then, uh, all the weanlings that we had available for adoption, like they're kind of coughing and stuff like this. And my boss is like, Oh God, we brought in sickness from this gather. All these horses are sick with something. And I'm like, like guys, like it's been like 30 degrees at night and 80 degrees in the morning. I guarantee you they're sick because of that. And they're like, well, let's call the vet and see what she has to say. And the vet's like, yeah, it's like 30 degrees at night and 80 during the day. They're sick from the temperature change. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I definitely think there needs to be more females come on to places and work. Yeah. And, you know, they just need to realize, you know, and... You know, coming from my perspective, that, like you say, that things aren't pointed at them to be mean or to be general in general. You know, it's in the heat of the moment and stupid shit said, get over it, move on. You know, nobody's mad at you at the end of the day, really. You know, bad day is just a bad day. Yeah. And carry on and tomorrow will be a little better. But if they can take that and they can realize that, you know, they're going to become, you know, part of the crew. They're going to fit right in and, you know, have the respect of the crew. Right. And, you know, a lot to do with it, too, is, you know, the guys that you're riding with, they need to have that that respect, too. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, it's not a one-way road. It has to go both ways or it's not going to work. Exactly. Yeah. Women could definitely benefit the industry in a lot of different ways. Um, I just think there's definitely, I mean, there's obviously a reason why there's not many women in the industry. You know, for one, it's it's extremely hard work, you know. I mean, I'm not going to lie. Women are built different than men, you know. We're not physically capable of doing a lot of what men could do. You know, men are built to be strong and, you know, like that. and Strong and just overall robust and manly, you know. Whereas women are more built to be, you know, feminine and more lean and more, you know, I mean, I'm not going to lie. As a woman, I could say women are definitely the weaker sex for sure, you know. But um, so, you know, the jobs that is a male-dominated industry like this, I mean, it's, you know, it's really hard work. It is hard work. I could say firsthand and foremost as a woman who's been in the industry. Um, But, you know, the setbacks for women aren't necessarily because – it's hard work. You know, a lot of women get out there and decide that it's too hard of work. Yeah. But the other women that are in the industry that give up, that are perfectly capable or willing or determined enough to do that job, they let their emotions get in the way. And it, I mean, it truly shows. I mean, obviously, I mean, 
how many ranches in the U.S., you know, have women hired on full-time doing a cowboying job or in the world, you know? And, you know, you just can't take shit personally. And that is what really, in my mind, is what enables a lot of women in the industry. You can't take shit personally. You can't at all, you know? It's... And I've worked with women that take shit personally. And there's women that I've worked with in the industry that I was absolutely best friends with. And we did everything together. I loved working with them. But then one day, they have a cranky day. And I tell them, hey, you need to knock your fucking attitude off. Because, you know, we got to get a job done. And you being pissy isn't helping. And then we're not friends anymore. And I need to leave. And you're fired from your job. And... You know, and then our relationship isn't the same because I said you need to knock your attitude off like it's not helping. And I think that really is what enables a lot of women in the industry is, you know, and it's not necessarily their fault because women are kind of programmed that way to be more emotional. But you got to be able to control those emotions and understand that you can't take shit personally. You can't. You just, it, it, you won't make it into the industry. And I've seen it. I've seen it, you know? Oh, yeah. And I think in today's day and age, you know, it, it's getting bad. It's even getting bad. You know, we don't see it too much out here, but like I got some buddies that ran feedlots and, you know, they see it on the feedlot. You know, it's not just turning into the girls anymore. It's some guys, you know, oh. down when you're like, Jesus, dude. Like, Come on. Yeah, I, I've met a few guys like that as well. And it's just like today's day and age, everyone is so, you know, you're the things that you're sensitive on or whatever is everybody else's problem and not your own to figure out. And yeah. it's ridiculous. You know, like I've seen people that like, you know, like, I've seen guys that refuse to date women with shorter hair because their first girlfriend or their previous girlfriend had short hair and they broke her heart. Like, dude, that's your fucking problem. Yeah. You know? <laughs> well, society now is going to, you know, just a bunch of entitled people that figure the world should be handed to them on a silver platter. Yeah. And it don't matter what sex you are, you know, there's good and bad in them all. Yeah, there. Yeah, that's the true. Yeah. Right there. I mean. And if you want something bad enough, and I tell everybody this, like, if you want something bad enough, do it. Like, don't let anything stand in your way. Like, you're going to have hiccups, but. Yeah. Push through them hiccups and it will get better for you. Yeah. And even got higher on here, we tell them, we're like, hey, when you come to work, bring one set of feelers with you. Like, leave all your other feelers at home and bring one set of feelings with you. Because, you know, at one point through the summer or probably a few points, like, we're going to hurt them. Yeah. We're going to hurt. It's 
It's absolutely ridiculous these days, people's mindset on how they believe that the world needs to cater to their feelings and their, you know, every, you know, their traumas and their emotions. And it's just like, guys, like, that's your own fucking problem. If you have an issue, you know, like, I, I have met women in my life, too, that, like, they're like, they can't have kids. And so they don't want to be around kids. And, like, when they have a birthday party or something like that, they refuse to go to their friend's baby showers because they can't have a kid. I'm like, really? Really? Like, that is ridiculous. Because you can't have one. You're going to, you know, make everybody else's life miserable because your friend can't talk about their kid because it makes you sad. Like, why can't you just be happy for your friend? Like, be glad that they have a family and that, you know, they, you know, have their own kid that they love and cherish and enjoy. My sister, she's a, she's autistic. My, uh, my middle sister, I have two older sisters and the middle one. She's autistic and she is an extremely emotional person. And my mom always yells at me. Like, she's always like, you're always so mean to your sister. Like she tries to tell you stuff and then you're just like, well, that's your problem. Figure it out. And I'm like, well, it's the truth. Like, you know what? If she wants to get out into the world and do things, I the reason why I am so blunt and I am so honest with her is because when she gets out into the world and starts doing shit, gets her own job and is on her own doing things like she wants, she has the desire to do all of this stuff, but her emotions get her in the way. and. Like her, she is, her entire life, she's always blamed uh, my oldest sister, me and my mom on the fact that uh, we don't want her to get married. And so I finally started telling her, I was like, that is bullshit because I don't want you living with me. (laughs) I don't want you living in my house. You know, I don't want you. So I want you to get married. So he has to take care of you and not me. And my mom's like, that is rude, Sarah. And I'm like, no, it's not. It's the truth. You know, I'm tired of her blaming the fact that we don't want her to get married. And I keep telling her, no, train. Well, none of us want to take care of you. So yeah, go out and get married. So we don't have to take care of you. And my mom's like, that's rude. I'm like, no, it's not. It's the truth. <laughs> oh, exactly. And you know, like some people, it's sad to say the truth hurts, right? But they need yeah. to because when they get out into the real world somebody's gonna tell them the truth exactly like they hear so it's better to hear it now and kind of get you that you know this is how it is it's pretty cut and dry yeah and i've I've told her hundreds of times i've told my sister when she starts doing stuff and i you know i kind of get snippy or angry with her or i you know i'm blunt with her and i tell her i'm like train the reason why i'm doing this is because i love and care for you Because if I don't do this now and start showing you what the real world is like, when you get out in the real world, you're going to have, it's going to be really rough on you. It's going to be bad. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And she takes, she takes shit so personally. Like, you know, she loves horses. She loves riding. She doesn't really have any much natural ability I would say to do so or anything like that she enjoys it so we always have to have you know a good broke horse for her to ride but you know we'll be out there riding and I'll tell her you know 
And the horse keeps trotting and she keeps getting frustrated because the horse keeps trotting off on her. I'm like, I'm like, you need to not squeeze your legs. Like, just let your legs hang. You don't need to freaking death wrap with your legs around that horse. And she gets offended and she just goes, well, if I can't even just sit on a horse properly, I might as well never ride again. I'm like, that's like, train. you can't have that mindset about life. You can't have that mindset about riding horses. You can't have that mindset about anything. Because I'm like, do you think that I just started riding horses? And I immediately knew you like, I didn't just start riding horses and immediately know how to train a spade bit horse. Like it's, It was years and years of educating myself and learning. And I want you to be able to do these things. And in order to be able to do these things, you got to be able to take correction from other people, you know? Yeah. Well, we just had a meeting here at work. I see out here where I work. The municipality of the county runs our pasture. So we, we work for that. Mm-hmm. And three times a year, we got to go to their big meeting and they talk and everything. And um, so they called a meeting because they hired some colorful. Well, I mean, they're kind of colorful. I, they're different. Not, you know, they're just different. Yeah. And they hire them on, and you know, they'll come. Um, if we need a light, if we need, you know, the yard lights changed, they'll come do that. You know, they'll come do the things with equipment for the pasture that they just won't let us do. Because, and which is a good thing because trusting, you know, cowboys with big equipment, <laughs> yeah. probably not in their best idea not that we would wreck it we might get it stuck or you know we could wreck something but we generally don't have oh i'm in a cat i can go through there Hmm. guess i couldn't yeah yep (laughs) been there (laughs) so you know that we had this meeting um i was this week it was earlier in the week there and um so they hired Two transgesters and a guy that's now a woman. And so they were talking like etiquette and what's going to, and it doesn't really affect us, but just because we work there, we have to be a part of this dumbass meeting. Yep. And uh, so, you know, these three were kind of saying, you know, they're oh, real happy to be here, yada, da, da, and everything. And the one guy, he was like, yeah, I, you know, I was 40 years old. And I woke up one morning and I knew I was a female. And me being dumb, and I mean, like, they should not let me go to these meetings. Or, you know, I need adult supervision when I'm sitting there because I say stupid shit. <laughs> yeah. And I'm sitting I'm like, how does that work? And he goes, I just woke up and I knew I was a woman. I'm like, but the plumbing has been the same for how many fucking years? I don't think overnight it fucking changes at a snap of a finger. I could be wrong. But I'm pretty sure you're still one or the other. I don't think you can change or you can be both. And he goes, oh, I can be. I can be whatever I want. I'm like, huh. You know? That's what's wrong with society. Yeah, that's that's me. You know, when somebody tells me, oh, I could be a woman today or I can even be a woman this morning and by the afternoon I'm a man. I'm like, 
because that's what I identify as. And I'm like, why well, identify as a billionaire? So, <laughs> yeah, we're, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I say stupid shit like that too. It kind of sounds like, you know, that, you know, up there is kind of like working for the government here. <laughs> well, you know, in a lot of ways it is because we are working for, for the government. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think they're starting to realize we don't have safety meetings anymore. We used to have a safety meeting once a week. They knocked that shit off last year. That's nice because we didn't listen to him anyhow. But, um, you know, it's just, you know, we're never at the RM shop. You know, we take our truck there if it needs our work trucks. If they need to get work done, that's where they go to get work done. Yep. Trailer wires. But they're like, oh, we're putting in, you know, this bathroom for this person. And Jesus, like, you got to do all this for one fucking person. That is what he is. And, you know, can't change. Yeah. It's it's pretty amazing to me, like people with jobs and stuff like now, like uh, I was hearing somebody talk about like the accommodations for people these days, too, like. There, this one guy was talking about how uh, he worked. I can't remember where he worked. Um, it was a it was a TikTok video I saw, and he said he'd been working at this place for a long time. And he said it was, you know, he really enjoyed the place. And the reason why he ended up working there was because he had pretty good anxiety, but um, and it was a very laid back, chill workplace. And he said that half of the people there call in they don't even call in sick they just call in and say my anxiety's too bad this morning i can't come to work and i'm like i when i call in and say i can't come because i'm puking my guts out this morning from the stomach flu <laughs> like <laughs> like how can people just say i can't come into work today because i'm too stressed to do it and i'm like uh, that just blows my mind and like and then Recently, I was diagnosed with, uh, officially diagnosed with ADHD. And when I was talking with my doctor about it, uh, she was like, well, you know, uh, your workplace and stuff like that, especially since you work for the government, you could probably get some, uh, you know, talk with your employer and get accommodations to your ADHD. I'm like, I am 28 years old. I have obviously, you don't just develop ADHD, you know. (laughs) it's it's not something that's just like you don't just all of a sudden it's just like oh yeah I have ADHD now you know apparently it's just the way you've always been and I'm like I have worked my entire life as if I've not had it I don't expect my workplace to have you know accommodations to where I have days where it's like my anxiety is too much today so I gotta go home because of my ADHD like I can't fathom that like it's oh. absolutely amazing to me. Like, and now there's there's so many things that people make excuses for just not to come into work because they want to go hang out with friends, they want to do whatever. And I'm oh, like, yeah. I wish. Yeah. You know, like where I was working in the wintertime because we're just a seasonal outfit here. We ride through the summer, um, spring, summer, and fall, and then come winter, we're let go, and then we come back the next year. Mm-hmm. So I'm generally kind of drifting around in the wintertime. Mm-hmm. And I went to work for this outfit. And I mean, they had 
I'm not going back. So that kind of says how they were. Yeah. But um, you know, a lot of the times there were there were people calling in for whatever reason, you know, and out here with our government, um, if you were sick or you had a runny nose, you weren't allowed to come into work. You had to call in sick. Yeah. So I got the bright idea one morning that uh, I tried calling in sick. I wasn't sick. It was a self-induced sickness. I'm picking up what you're putting down. And uh, I called the boss and I was just, you know, I was already getting up and uh, I had all intentions of going to work that day. I was just trying to be a dick and see if I could get a row out of the boss. And oh, I got a big row out of him. I'm like, but how come somebody can call in and say they have the sniffles, but when I call in and say, I don't feel good, you fuckers still expect me to be at work. Well, that's self-induced. I'm like, same thing. In my mind, same thing. Yeah. Yeah, here in uh, Oregon is a fairly liberal state. Um, even though where we're at in Oregon, it's it's not very liberal and stuff like that. Like when we had all the freaking shutdowns and everything like that, like literally no one, no one really complied. Nobody, if you saw somebody in town wearing a mask, like you're like, Hey, you're from Western Oregon, aren't you? You're not from here. <laughs> and, uh, um, it was pretty funny. Like we literally have a bar in town that says something, it has all this stuff about like the constitution and that you can't like, they had all this stuff all over the walls about how you didn't have to wear a mask. And if you came in saying that everybody did, then screw off kind of thing. And that's Eastern Oregon. You know, that's just the way it is around here. But, uh, you know, working for the government is different, you know, uh, even though we're up at the crowds and stuff and my boss and everybody there, like we never wore masks or anything. I am 99.9% certain that when I started my job at the crowds, I had COVID and nobody cared there. And I told them, like, I was like, I'm pretty sure I have COVID. Do you want me to like go home? And they're like, nah, you're fine. <laughs> and, uh, just wash your hands. And, uh, but, like, down at the main office, the district office, not at the horse corrals, it's a completely different world down there. Like, I would say 80% of the people worked from home for two years. And just this summer, they had this big old welcoming back party. And they're like, well, we have to have a, like, a transition back into office work. So people, like, certain people were coming in on certain days. And other people were only coming in. Or some were, you know, still getting paid full time. But they were only part time at the office doing their job. And I was like, what the hell? Like, really? Like, you really have to have a you know, we have to adjust and do a transition back into work life for these people. It made no sense to me. Oh, and that's how it was. And I mean, still is up here. Like what we're dealing with up here right now is when COVID hit here in Canada, I mean, like they shut us the fuck down. Yeah. Like you, you went to Walmart, for example, and you were told what you could buy and what you couldn't buy. And they just they took all that stuff out. If you couldn't buy it, if it was on the list that it wasn't essential, you couldn't buy it. Jeez. 
Like, and it wasn't even, it was there. It was, they took it off the shelf and said, no, you're not buying it. Like, we're going to control what you buy. So it got pretty, like, you know, basically all that was open up here was gas stations. Um, you could get takeout food, that kind of thing. Grocery stores. And, you know, a few farm supply stores were open. But that's, you know, it got pretty bad up here for about a whole winter. Yeah. And stuff. And, you know, we have Mr. Fucking Fancy Socks to thank for that. But, um, you know, when this happened, the government started throwing money at people. Here's assistance. Here's money. Here's money. Like, I, yep. I fill up, put your name and address. Here's $2,000. And so now that that money's not there, like, so many people just quit their jobs. Because they were getting more from the government than what they were making at their job. Right. So, so many people quit the job now that, you know, things are, you know, pretty much back to normal out here now. Um, people don't want to work. That Yep, that's the way it is here, too. And the problem where I'm at is we're, we're, we're right beside a pretty bad place. That none of them want to work. Yeah. And their idea of working is, um, is come, and I'm just going to say it, fuck it. If it makes somebody mad, I know not all natives are bad, but there's, you know, there's your bad apples in white, doesn't matter what color you are, but you don't work reserve. So at nighttime, you don't, I got to pull the keys out of all the vehicles here at the yard, hide the quads, you know, keep a gun in the camper because, these motherfuckers will come and steal it. Yeah. And when they get in trouble, they go, oh, well, what do you expect us to do? There's no, there, there's no work. You know, COVID is the reason why we're doing this. Asshole, you're making a fucking excuse that everybody yeah. believes. Go out and get a job. Yeah. It's, it's the same way around here. Uh, even in Eastern Oregon, even though we're kind of more of the conservative side of the state, and it's just kind of set out entirely from Oregon, basically. There is, even in Burns, you know, Burns is a fairly small, small town. There is not a single store, business, or anything that you can walk into that does not have a help wanted sign. And it's just because, and... Like, you know, small towns, yeah, they do struggle, you know, when they are at that weird size where it's a small town, but it's just a little bit bigger. You know, a lot of places do struggle with, like, having employment, you know, all the time or having every place with their employment filled. But it has gotten worse in eastern Oregon here. And I can't imagine what it's like over, you know, in Western Oregon, more liberal side of the state. But nobody wants to get a job. Like, you know, like I even said, when it when it came back this summer, when they're like, hey, we're going to have people come back and work for the government. You know, you got to come. You can't work from home anymore. There was so many people. There is one. Uh, there was people that we called that were like tech people specifically employed and they used to work full-time in the office we'd have troubles with the internet or the computers or something at the corrals and we'd call this person 
And it's not like we're calling them every day. It's like once every few months. Hey, all right, we need a new computer. This one like is messed up. You can't even get online to, you know, check our email. And this person would be like, you mean I have to actually put on pants today? They're still getting paid full time to work from home with their job. And they're complaining that they got to come actually like do their job. (laughs) And there's a lot of people that like, they claim that they're working from home. And they actually didn't do shit at home. You know, they work for a couple hours each week, but they still get paid for 40, you know. And it's just absolutely amazing to me that, you know, this entire time, like, we're up at the corrals. We're feeding Christmas Day. We're feeding New Year's Day. We're short-staffed. You know, there's supposed to be, like, ten people there, and there's four. And I was there. You know, I was the most recent hire. So I told my boss this year, I will feed all the holidays. I will feed Christmas. I'll feed New Year's. I'll feed Thanksgiving. I'll feed Fourth of July. You know, you guys have already done all your holidays. I will do them this year. And my boss was pretty awesome. He's like, no, I'm not going to let you feed all the holidays by yourself. You deserve time off, too. But it's just, like, uh, absolutely amazing to me that, like, you know, when we go down to the main office and these people are like, oh my God, like it has been so hard coming back to the office and working, not working from home and having to get up and take a shower and come to work. And I'm like, I fed freaking Christmas morning and New Year's Day and Thanksgiving this year. Like, I don't want to hear you guys complain. (laughs) Right. So we we work in that industry where, you know, we can't decide what days we go into work. Yeah. You know, no, you-, you have your set days off, but on your set days off, the boss calls you and says, oh, hey, we got cows out. We're going to work. You're like, oh, well, all right, we're going to work. Yeah. Or it's 40 blowout and cold. Them, them horses, cattle, you know, they still need feed. Yep. Animals still need fed no matter what day. The, they don't know it's Christmas. They don't know it's New Year's. They don't know you're hungover from New Year's. <laughs> you still gotta, you still gotta feed them. You oh, know. Actually, I think they do know when you're hung- <laughs> when you're hungover, and I mean like real good hungover. Something always happens the next day, and you're like, "Fucking really? Are you, are you kidding me?" <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I understand that. There's, there's been quite a few times that I'm like, you know what? All we got to do is feed tomorrow. It's fine. You know, everything's settled in. Everything's been going smoothly. So I'm going to stay up late for New Year's. I'm going to stay up. And literally, I'll stay up until I got to feed. And then all your cows are out and in the feedlot, like, tearing down bales of hay. <laughs> or in the neighbor's property or 10 miles down the road yep yeah and you're like wow they picked a great day to do this I, you know I, I just I just get a kick out of people that like to go out like you know we like to drink here pretty you know we, you know we probably drink more than we should yeah, you guys are cowboy, and that's like part of the job, isn't it? It is. It comes. It comes with the job, and uh, you know, 
I just I just get a kick out of people that you know they go they complain about their job and everything and you know well you did it to yourself and you did this and you did that do, do you realize what I do in a day and some days I need a drink well you didn't have to stay out that long did you have the kind of day I had because it wasn't a very good fucking day yeah some days you know even sometimes during the year it's just like you know what a lot of people are like they're always like you look tired well i'm staying up late you don't have to stay up late why don't you get get you know a good night's rest and get your eight hours well the reason why i don't go to bed and only get four hours of sleep is because i don't want to go to sleep and wake up and have to do it again tomorrow <laughs> i'm putting it off <laughs> yeah the biggest kick i get out of it is like here where we're at we'll go into town some days for lunch we'll be like fuck it it's been a good day or you know we haven't been to town for lunch and you know you can only eat sandwiches so many days till you're like oh good yeah another fucking sandwich yep so you're like fuck it we're gonna go to the bar in town and we're gonna have lunch and the day you go in there all like all your bosses are all in yep and they're all having lunch and you walk in there and you sit down and you order yourself a drink and they're like drinking on the job and you're like i'm having a drink yeah come do my job for a fucking day yeah yeah a drink do you realize what i drink on a weekly basis this is nothing exactly Or you, you, you pull into town and you go straight to the liquor store and there, you know, and at our liquor store, it's like, a, it is a, a pharmacy, a little coffee shop, um, a little Tim Hortons, and the liquor store. And you walk in there and you buy 24 beer, uh, 24 twisted tea, and a bottle of whiskey, and they look at you. Thought you guys were working today. Yeah, we were. You aren't working the rest of the day? Nope. What are you doing for the rest of the day? Well, you're looking at it. I got up at 3 a.m. and was riding horses in the dark. What were you doing? (laughs) Nothing went good today, so we're not even going to try and do anything else. Because it'll be fucked, too. Yeah, That's when you say, I have anxiety. And you're required to accommodate it. And (laughs) by accommodating that... I get the rest of the day off and you buy this beer. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I wish they'd buy us beer. It'd make, even if they bought us a few cases a month, it'd definitely tone down on the beer. Beer's so fucking expensive up here, it isn't even funny. Oh, I can imagine. Yeah. You know, Brooke, she gets mad at me all the time when she comes out here. I'm like, will you bring copenhagen across with you and she's like oh if i remember i'm like and she's just talking to me she always does i'm like no no not if you remember like you're going to or you oh, have to <laughs> yeah that's what it's like when jeff and i like when we go uh when we go over to ontario ontario is right on the idaho border and tobacco is a lot cheaper in idaho than it is in oregon so if i go to ontario and Jeff's like, don't forget to buy Copenhagen or, you know, 
tobacco for my pipe and then I get back after grocery shopping all day and he's like did you get it I'm like I wouldn't even thinking about it I'm so sorry and he's like Sarah no <laughs> yeah well I have a lot of friends out here that they're like oh you 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 should quit that you should quit that have you seen me without it it's not it's not a pretty picture yeah no it's not it's not a good idea I oh. I concur my my husband, because we switched over from, uh, like, actual to Copenhagen and stuff like that. We switched over to those Zen pouches. Oh. And the reason why I like to, sw- I switched over to them is, for one, it just, it's, yeah, I just don't feel like my mouth is as nasty all the time because I get the mint one. So I feel like it's, like, better for me, I guess. <laughs> but then at the same time, you don't have to spit. And so I could put like three of them sons of bitches in my mouth, three of them pouches in my mouth while I'm helping adopters out at the corrals. And I don't have to worry about spitting in front of them and then freaking out and, you know, go to a meeting or something like that. Some stupid let's all get along training. You just slip one of those in and nobody even knows. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Like, you know, I'm not... uh... I don't take the best care of myself, so most days I forget, like, half my lunch. Yeah. And uh, the boss goes, you know, how can you forget your lunch, but you always make sure you get into the crew truck with an extra can of chew? I'm like, because you never know what the day is going to bring, and I might need to. Yep. And if I don't have them, it's going to be real bad for everybody. Like, we yep. down work before the bosses looked at me, and he goes, you look rather heated. I fucking am. I'm going to kill so-and-so. When I see him, he's a dead man. Yeah. Just tie your horse up or load him on the trailer, take to work, truck town, get you. Thank you. Yep. It's, uh, when we get to, like, when we do adoption events or something like that, we're going to be dealing with a bunch of people. One of the first questions my boss asked me, because he does, he does, uh, chew pouches too. And he's like, so before we leave and we have to deal with, 400 people did you buy a roll of zen and i'm like i bought two and he's like awesome (laughs) yeah i would i'd be a train wreck without coffee copenhagen and alcohol yep it's just part of you know if you work in the livestock industry whether you're man you're cowboy and training horses or whatever that's it comes with the job Oh, it does. Nicotine, caffeine, and alcoholism. <laughs> no, it certainly does. And I, I got a kick out of, out of Brooke. You know, when I went down to Sierra in Washington, we walked into a grocery store and I grabbed some beer and I was getting a roll. I bought some groceries down there too. Some snacks and stuff. Nothing too crazy. Bought a roll of chew and everything. And the guy looks at me and he goes like 120 bucks. And I had a a 24 or no i had a 30 rack of beer and it come to like 120 bucks and i looked at him and poor brooke just got embarrassed because i looked at him and went what and he goes 120 bucks i'm like you need to learn how to fucking count and he goes what do you mean i'm like because that's that's wrong yeah so he kind of looks at everything he goes no that's right i'm like all right yeah i mean it is you that's gonna get in trouble for this, not me. And he looks at me 
And he goes, where are you from? I'm like, Canada. And he that, that makes sense. And then I had to realize, oh, yeah, things are a lot cheaper down here than yeah. I'm from. Yeah. And it's getting to the point up here where, you know, Copenhagen and tobacco is just getting so, so overpriced. You know, like you down here can't even afford to do it. Yeah. You know, my American friends, they're like, oh, choose $9 a can now. Oh, I'm going to quit. I'm pissed off. I'm not supporting them anymore. I'm like, <laughs> I would go to the moon and back if she was $9 here. Like, that'd be great. I'd be saving money. Yeah. Instead of $32 a fucking can. Jeez. Oh, yeah, a trip to town. Diesel in the truck, your beer, and chew. You're looking like it's going to eat up all 300 bucks. That's rough. Yeah, welcome to fucking Canada. Hey, but you guys got free health care, right? Yeah, we do. We. <laughs> I don't really, I don't agree with that myself. Yeah. No, but, neither do I. <laughs> you know, and just for the fact is, you know, a few years ago, I got bucked off a horse and I busted my shoulder. And I waited five and a half hours in the waiting room for them to tell me I had a busted bust shoulder. And I already knew I broke it. Like, I could feel it. I was... Yeah. I mean, I knew something was wrong. But you get all these people that, you know, get a free ride from the healthcare, healthcare system. Oh, I need a day off of work. Oh, I'm going to be sick. I have to go to the doctor. And, you know, make these fuckers that are going to the doctor for no reason just to get away from work or, you know, get a ride to town. Make them pay for that shit and they won't do it anymore. Yeah. You know, like a real good friend of mine, you know, his dad got killed last year in a rollover in a vehicle. Jeez. Just because the paramedics were, weren't able to come because they were transporting an Indian that faked a heart attack. Jeez. And, you know, so they're driving somebody, to, the paramedics pick them up, they drive them to town, they use it as a taxi service. And yeah. when they're needed, they can't be there and good people get hurt because of it. So, you know, make them pay for it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I only go to the hospital or the doctor when I'm dying. Or yeah. the boss makes me like, no, no, you're, you're going. No, I'll be yeah. No, you're not. You're going. You don't have a choice. Well, for fuck's sakes. Yeah. And then you get there and they tell you it may be broken or it may not be. And you're like, huh, you're a doctor. Cool. And he goes, yeah. I'm like, so it's either one or the other. Either it's not. Or it is. Well, we're unsure. Hmm. I didn't know there was a cure for in between. Yeah. So. No, I would. uh, We're going to get you one night again on here when we have a bunch more people and have a big kind of open group. We do. I try and do that like a couple times a month where we just have a open group and it gets rather entertaining. Yeah, that would be a lot of fun. I would enjoy that for sure. Well, we will we will set that up so it will happen. Um, you know, 
we'll get that going and uh, make sure you got lots of beer for that night because last night we did it when it got done I fell out of the truck <laughs> yeah I uh I'll make sure I'll have a brand new fifth of Blackheart rum and my four you know four four dollar can of zin maybe three oh sure rub it in <laughs> rub it in well, I sure appreciate you being on the show. And like I say, we look forward to having you on again. And thank you for your time. Yeah, well, thank you so much. Sorry it took so long to get this done. We've just been, I've just been super busy the last couple months with everything at work and a bunch of other shit going on. So, yeah, well, I appreciate it, you being patient. And- it is that time of year where it's just damn tough to get a hold of anybody. Yeah. Especially yeah. in the industry we work in. Because, you know, I get guys, you know, I get them lined up through the podcast. And then they're like, oh, this night doesn't work for me. Let's do it this night. I'm off. I'm like, oh, I'm not. Yeah. So, yeah, that shit happens. <laughs> so I know how it goes. You get busy and there's just not a whole lot of time in the day. Yeah. Not so. enough hours, that's for sure. No. So, and some days you have big plans and get nothing done. Yep. I've had those too. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, no, we will get that set up and we will have you back on here again. Yeah. Awesome. Let me know and keep me updated. I'd love to. That'd be a lot of fun. Awesome. Well, you have a good rest of your day and we'll talk to you again. All right. We'll talk to you later. Take care. All right. Bye.